Good morning. It is an honor and a privilege to be up here with you today, something that I do not take lightly. Also, that was my husband this morning saying, Lord, help us, because yes, our boys are five, three, and one, and it is a busy time. So this morning, I want to talk to you about boldness, specifically the right kind of bold when it comes to sharing Christ. Now, I'm sure we're all familiar with the wrong kind of bold when it comes to sharing Christ. For example, have you ever walked by a bad street evangelist and maybe you're like with a friend who doesn't believe in Jesus and so you almost feel like you have to explain to them like, we're, we're not all like that, you know, like, or just maybe give them the side eye as you walk by and just say like, bro, take it down a notch. Um, or what about scrolling through an opinionated social media post, like the comment section of self-proclaimed Christians just like bashing each other, just like going in. And maybe they're even like that towards people who do believe in Jesus. Ooh, it's brash, it's disheartening, it's reckless, and it doesn't consider others. And maybe because of that, we don't really want to be categorized as that, so maybe we just don't share our faith. Maybe we just don't talk about Jesus. And I believe that there's a better way. There's a better way to be bold by being filled with the Holy Spirit. So today we're going to look to the wisdom of Scripture to learn what it's like to be the right kind of bold by being filled with love and with power. Will you pray with me? God, thank you so much for this opportunity to share with our community today. I just pray a special blessing on us all that we would receive your word and that our hearts would be encouraged to be bold, to follow you, and to proclaim your name. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So we'll be in Acts chapter 4 today, and as you turn there in your Bibles, if you're not there already, I want to kind of set the scene, what happens just before this. So in Acts chapter 3, um, just before this, a little bit before maybe, Jesus promises the Holy Spirit and his followers are filled with the Holy Spirit. And then Peter preaches boldly and many people come to Christ. A little bit after that, Peter and John, Jesus' followers, are walking to the temple for a time of prayer. And they see this man on the floor and he's, he cannot walk and he is begging. And Peter looks at him and says, I don't have anything to give you, but what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. And he reaches his hand down and picks this man up and he is standing, and he instantly starts walking around, jumping up and down, and praising God. And the crowd is amazed. They're in awe. And Peter says the reason why this man was healed was done in the name of Jesus, and also salvation is found through Christ alone. And many people are like, what can we do? How do we believe? And many people come to believe. So they are in awe and amazed. But this group of people, the Sanhedrin, or this council of religious leaders, they're not amazed. So much so that they just want to shut it all down. They take Peter and John, they put them in jail for the night, and they basically say, we're going to figure out what to do with you in the morning. And so that's where we pick up right here where they are brought before the Sanhedrin, this religious council, and they're being questioned. So let's pick up in Acts chapter 4, verse 7. They had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them. By what power or what name did you do this? Now, I find it interesting that they use the word this here. Have you ever been so upset about something or maybe so upset at someone that by even saying their name, you won't even do it because it might give them an ounce of dignity? Like it's just under your skin, you're just heated about it? Well, that's what we're seeing here. The Sadducees are a small group of this council and they, their specific belief, one of them, is that the dead cannot be resurrected. 
And here we have Peter and John preaching in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, who died and rose again. So they are preaching and refuting this core belief of the Sadducees. So this is threatening to their authority as religious teachers. So yeah, they're, they're pretty upset. And before I move on, I want to bring you into my imagination a little bit. This part isn't scriptural, but I have been on uh, reading and meditating on this passage for weeks, and I just want to bring you into my mind of how I see this scene set up. So I imagine the Sanhedrin, maybe this religious council up top, and maybe in some like big armchairs or something, and maybe a little bit further down below, Peter and John being questioned. And I imagine Peter about to stand up and answer, by what power or what name did you do this? And I just imagine like John behind him, like this is his boy, like he's some kind of hype man behind Peter and he's just like pacing back and forth like, oh, you asked about this? You asked what name? Peter's about to tell you. Peter, you're gonna tell him? You better tell him. So this is how I'm imagining it because what Peter's about to say is so bold and it's like the Sanhedrin isn't ready. So let's jump back in to the scripture. In verse 8 is where we pick up. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame and are being asked how he was healed, then know this. You and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. And I love this. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. Let's pause right there. What Peter is preaching here is bold. I mean, imagine yourself in your classroom or in your office or even walking outside these doors and proclaiming Christ alone on Lincoln Boulevard, like that would be bold. So much more so is this happening with Peter right here. They're deciding what to do with him, and he, is, he refutes this core belief of theirs. This is like a stake in the ground. It's a big deal. And the only reason for his boldness is by being filled with the Holy Spirit. He was confident. He didn't cower or shrink back. He presents the gospel to these leaders. The truth of the gospel is very specific and potent that there's only one way of life. And Peter, when he sees the Sanhedrin, he sees them as God sees them, as people made in God's image, people in need of a savior. And when the truth of the gospel is presented, that is love. That takes great love and power. He's laying everything on the line here. Let's pick back up in verse 13, Acts 4, 13. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished, and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. But since they could see the man who had been healed standing there with them, there was nothing they could say. It's disheartening to see that these leaders rejected the gospel. In chapters just before this, Peter proclaimed the same message, and many, even thousands, came to believe. But here we see that the Sanhedrin took note. They made the association that Peter and John had been with Jesus, but they didn't choose to actually believe in Jesus. And even if you're familiar with this story and you've read it, yes, of course, Peter proclaims the gospel and then they kind of try to shut it down and send them away. Right, but 
These are actual souls we're talking about here that are choosing to spend, by not choosing Jesus, they're choosing to spend eternity apart from God. And that part should stop us in our tracks. And I wonder if the idea that someone rejecting the gospel, does that, does that cause your heart to mourn? Or does it maybe cause us to other them? To kind of think maybe they're too far gone or they think too differently than us or we maybe ignore them. But Peter doesn't other the Sanhedrin. He doesn't mock them or list out their sin. He doesn't verbally attack them or ignore them. He sees them and he presents the gospel to them. In power, he boldly speaks. And in love, he shows them the way of life. And yet, the gospel is rejected. Carrying on in verse 18, then they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, which is right in God's eyes, to listen to you or to him? You be the judges. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard, and I love Peter and John's response here. There's this stirring, this urgency. They believe with every ounce of their being that Jesus is our Savior, and they're proclaiming that. It just, is, it just comes out of them. They can't help what, to speak about what they have seen and heard with boldness, and that kind of boldness is what we need today in our world. Not the kind of boldness that's of the world that's saying, look at me, I'm so brave, I'm so confident, all eyes on me, no. A boldness filled with the love and power of the Holy Spirit. So have a few thoughts about being the right kind of bold, and I hope that they'll encourage you this morning. My first thought is the right kind of bold knows that God uses his people. The problem is people don't know about Jesus, right? People need to know about Jesus. And the solution is you and me. As mistaken and as flawed and as many times as we mess things up, God chooses his people, you and I, to tell other people about him. And he emboldens us with his Holy Spirit through salvation. John 14, verse 16 and 17 says this, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him. For he lives with you and will be in you. The very presence of God is within us as believers to empower us to follow him and to proclaim the gospel with boldness. And when God uses us, he will give us the words and help us to see others as Christ sees them in need of a savior in the image of God. And you are the one that God sent to your home. As you know, I, I'm at home with my littles. They're five, three, and one, and there's about a million things that go on in the day. But the most important work I could ever do is nurture these little souls towards Christ. You were sent to your neighborhood, to your community, to your office, to proclaim the gospel and nurture those relationships towards Christ. The right kind of bold knows that God uses his people. My next thought is this. The right kind of bold knows it might be rejected. The gospel is specific, and it's explicit that salvation is found through Christ alone. And when we present the gospel, we refute the idea that salvation can be found in any other presentation. And sometimes people don't like that. And I'm going to just pause right here and just say this, that 
if you are a Christian and you do know Jesus and you maybe have like your toe in or you're like knee deep or maybe you've like cannonballed into an idea that salvation comes through something else than Jesus, something other than Jesus, or maybe there's another road or way to God and you're just figuring it out, you need to turn from that. And you need to come back to the truth that Jesus is the only way. These are the words of Jesus himself. John 14, 6 says this. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And in a world that says there are many ways to God, Jesus says, actually, there aren't. No one can be equal to Jesus. God sent him as the Savior to the world, his only son, and no other religious teacher did that. No other religious teacher was God's only son or came down and died on the cross for our sins or was resurrected. And that truth, that might be rejected. Many people rejected Peter. And I find comfort that many people rejected Jesus himself, like to his face. (laughs) When he walked the earth, people rejected him. And I kind of find comfort in that. Like if they rejected Jesus, yeah, they're probably going to reject my presentation of the gospel at some point. And yes, that has happened. And I can think of a friend right now who I've been praying for for the last 20 years. Um, But ultimately, it's not about our idea of rejection or social discomfort or embarrassment. That's our ego. The right kind of bold knows it might be rejected, but it also has faith that the gospel might be accepted. My next thought is the right kind of bold knows God can redeem our cowardice. Okay, so maybe we're so afraid of rejection that we don't even try. And hey, I've been there. And Peter, Peter knows this well. Just before a couple, I don't know, a couple books before Acts in Matthew, Peter is following behind Jesus while Jesus is on trial right before his crucifixion. And he's kind of hiding in the shadows, just seeing what's going to happen. And someone calls him out and says, hey, you, you're with Jesus. And he goes, no. And then it happens again. Hey, you're with Jesus. And he says, no. And then it happens a third time. Hey, you're one of them. You're a follower of Jesus. And the Bible says he cursed them, he cursed them and said, I don't know the man. And the Bible says that he went outside and he wept bitterly. He cowered under fear. But it's in that same place before that same council that God redeems Peter's cowardice with boldness through his Holy Spirit. That's, that's a reflection of what the Holy Spirit can do in our lives. The right kind of bold believes God can redeem our cowardice. So to reiterate those first three thoughts, the right kind of bold knows God uses his people. The right kind of bold knows it might be rejected. And the right kind of bold knows God can redeem our cowardice. And my last thought is this. The right kind of bold knows the gospel cannot be stopped. Here's the truth. The message of the gospel is going to move forward with or without our participation. And I'm sure from the time of the early church to present day that there are many people who have chosen not to participate and share their faith. Maybe they've been living next door to the same person for 10 years or working at the same job for 20 years and their coworkers don't even know they're a Christian. Or 
they have had the same circle of friends for a while and have never brought that up in conversation or live in the same house as someone and have never brought up the conversation about salvation and talking about Jesus. But here's what I know to be true. Since the days of the early church, someone told somebody else who told somebody else who boldly preached to somebody else who boldly preached at a revival in 1960 in the Bronx at a church called John 316 where my mother and grandmother received Christ. And my mom and my dad together boldly taught me about Jesus and now I stand before you compelled about what I've seen and what I've heard. And I will tell you the message of the gospel cannot be stopped. It cannot be stopped by the circumstances or events of today and it couldn't be stopped back then by the Sanhedrin in Peter's day. And we need a filling of the Holy Spirit to be the right kind of bold. And if your courage to witness has weakened, then we need to pray for an increase. So we're going to do that right now. We're going to pray together. What I love about Acts chapter 4 is that after Peter and John are dismissed from the Sanhedrin, they go back to their people, the church, and they tell them everything that happened. And uh, the Bible says that they lifted, upon hearing this, they lifted their voices together and they prayed for more boldness. Not to change the situation or to remove the obstacles or to make it less awkward or less threatening. They prayed for more boldness. So that's what we're going to do together today. And the Holy Spirit will guide us as we pray and as we ask and as we're quiet to listen. Would you bow your heads with me as we pray together? If your mind is feeling scattered right now, maybe just focus on Jesus and gently bring your mind back to this time of prayer. I'm going to guide you with a few questions. Ask the Lord to bring a particular person to your heart and mind. Somebody who's not within this church community. Take a moment. Lord, you know all the people who you've brought to our minds. And Holy Spirit, would you go before us? Would you draw them to you? Now ask the Holy Spirit for boldness as we encourage them, love them, and serve them. Now ask the Lord if there's a way you can reach out to that person this week.
Holy Spirit, in all these ways, would you anoint them and bless them? God, would you give us wisdom? Would you guide us as we engage in these relationships and nurture them towards you to have the boldness to share about you and all you've done in our lives? May we be a light in this world and be filled with boldness that is filled with love and power by your Holy Spirit. Wherever there's cowardice or fear of rejection, God, would we just lay that down and leave it here and trust that you'll be with us as we boldly proclaim your gospel. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. Would you stand up with me? Let's take a minute to say good morning to one another and extend.